0: You be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the world heavyweight championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo
1: see you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you.
2: Hey, okay, now when you walk into the ring for the number one heavyweight of the world, you'll be ready. It's <laughs> gonna like lightning. And you're gonna crack thunder. You're gonna become a very dangerous
0: place. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Very happy to be here. Welcome to Cornell. Huh? Yo, listeners. It's now playing's Rocky Retrospective Series. This Balboa thing is interesting. And you want to call it nostalgia, whatever the hell you want, but people can relate to that stuff. Hosted by Arnie.
2: There is no one who can match his
1: strain or his aggressiveness.
2: Brock. You're the
0: man. You're number one. Old people
2: love you. Young people love you. You're the man. And Jacob. I must break you.
0: Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we go the distance and review all the Rocky films.
2: What's your prediction for the fight? Hey.
0: But be warned, these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. He doesn't know it's a damn show.
2: He thinks it's a damn fight.
1: Uh, let's get
0: ready to rumble! Today we're talking about Creed Three, starring... Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Florian Montendo, Felicia Rashad, and not Sylvester Stallone, directed by Michael P. Jordan. This is Brocky, co-host of Now Playing.
1: I left the Rocky retrospective, but the Rocky retrospective didn't leave me. This is Arnie. And this is the co-host who wants to see through floors, Jacob.
2: <laughs> those actually seem like a pain you gotta like clean them both ways and right yeah their windex you're gonna see all that dirt yeah their windex bill must be insane
0: i think it's because she's deaf and that way they can sign through the floor is my guess oh that's a
2: good theory
1: yeah that's where i went with that is a good idea because i was just thinking you wouldn't want to go over there in a skirt well what a way to start
0: our return to the rocky retrospective it has been what five
1: years since creed 2 yeah but two of those were COVID years do they count (laughs) i guess not they count as either (laughs) nothing
2: or like 50 years
1: because this was announced back in 2019 and then just kind of got on pause and didn't film till 2022 but i have to say I really felt like Creed had gone in five years. I didn't think this was a franchise Michael B. Jordan was fighting to return to. I didn't think it was a franchise I was clamoring for, knowing that Sylvester Stallone said Creed 2 was going to be his final goodbye to that character. So I can't say I was too excited for Creed 3. And the trailers looked okay.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. This would have not hit my radar at all unless I was doing this podcast with you guys. But when I finally saw that trailer, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not excited for that. What actually got me a little bit excited for this was, you know, we talked about it in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is Jonathan Majors, like really liked him as Kang. And so that made me get a little bit more excited for this one. Yeah, I actually
0: saw Ant-Man finally this week. So it's a whole Jonathan Majors in the theater for me week. I think he's great, too, and I'm really glad that he is here, and he certainly brings uh, great energy we're going to talk about. I am, of course, excited about a new Rocky movie, albeit this is the first Rocky movie without Rocky. However, I probably wouldn't have seen it in the theater had we not had to review it, or especially in our opening week.
1: So none of us were super excited. The only Rocky that I'd really been hearing about in the past five years, Creed 3 didn't make a whole lot of headlines for me. but. Stallone, he may not come back for this. He recut Rocky IV and called it Rocky versus Drago. And big controversy, the robot is gone. Is it? Did you watch this? Is that confirmed? I remember when Stallone tweeted
2: out that back in the days when I used to wander still on Twitter is that the robot was going. And I'm like, no, that's the heart and soul of Rocky IV. Like that robot is the most important part of that movie. You cut that. I'm never going to watch it. Not only was the robot
0: cut out, but so was Rocky Jr. There was not one scene of Rocky
1: Jr. He cut his kid out of the picture? He cut the kid out of the picture. That's because I think the kid was at a dinner scene, but the kid was always in with the robot. So if you remove the robot, you remove the kid. Yeah, maybe he excused to do his homework in that
0: one scene. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so what I was able to do was I actually watched the full movie, and I had my iPad and my iPhone next to each other, and I was able to (laughs) sync it up very easily. Just hit a quick pause button, and the dialogue was right on top of each other until there was an extended scene or a change in the angle. Sometimes you hit different angle or different takes of line readings. And so every once in a while, you had to readjust it. But it was remarkable that how much it synced up with the dialogue. But the changes are extensive, even though the movie is only three minutes longer.
1: If you go to com, the list of changes is six pages long. And yes. I've never seen it go over one page in the past, maybe two. <laughs> and he just re-edited the entire thing. I think he went back to the negative, And I mean, it's sometimes like... This cut is 1.5 seconds longer. I mean, it's not like he went in and just tweaked it a little. But I'll tell you, I famously didn't recommend Rocky IV, much to Jacob's chagrin. The second best Rocky film. I would recommend this cut. Why? What is so different about it? It
0: has a lot more Apollo. So in the beginning of the movie, it actually it recaps seven minutes of the Clubber Lang fight. The entire ending of Rocky Three is at the beginning of this. So they can get rid of the robot. The boxing gloves are gone at the beginning. that explode. But they, what they really do is they focus on Apollo's motivations for why he wants to fight Drago, about how he's missing the limelight, and he's been retired five years, and is he over the hill. Kind of reflects a little bit here of this movie, but I remember we talked about this on our Creed Two podcast. Like, we didn't really get Apollo's motivations for wanting to fight. And it's like, Stallone heard us and basically put that in the beginning of the movie.
1: And also, it just felt tighter, you know, without having all of the comic relief. Yes, I did miss Pauly because Paulie was also mostly cut out of the film because most of his scenes were with his love bot. But I have to say, it just felt tighter all the way around. And it just... Got me more. So I actually recommend this cut over the other cut, which I just felt was a little too unfocused. Blasphemy. Speaking of cutting things, (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. I did not know about this. Was this
2: widely known, like, that he was not showing up? Was he not invited? Was he busy with, I don't know, some geezer teaser that he's probably doing? Like, what's the story here? It is kind of a shock, even though this is Creed 3. They've been about Apollo Creed. Like, Balboa has always been there in the corner.
1: Yeah, I know. It's the first Rocky retrospective series without Rocky in it. But he had said when Creed 2 came out, this was going to be his last time as the character. And when they were announcing casting for this, he came out and said he would not be involved in this. And, you know, I kind of think some of it may be Michael B. Jordan wanting to step out of that shadow. I'm reading into this. I haven't been able to find interviews where he confirmed this, but he's directing now. This is his franchise. I mean, he's done franchise films, but until we get that Rainbow Six film, he doesn't really have a franchise to call his own besides this. And I think with him as director and him as the only star, it is him wanting the limelight.
2: Yeah. And I'm not saying I need Rocky Balboa in this film. I'm fine with just Creed. What's surprising though, it does feel like there's some bitterness or something. Like there's a mention that Rocky fought at one point in this, but like. There's no mention of where he went. Is he dead? Is he coaching someone else? Like you feel like there would be some line thrown out to let the audience know where Rocky Balboa is, but like no mention except like he fought Apollo Creed one time. He actually famously
0: has gone out and talked about how Erwin Winkler will not give him the rights back to his character. Now he signed a contract with Winkler all those years ago, and he's trying to appeal to his you know come on it's been forty years give me my character back so. I think part of it also might have been that he's refusing to participate because of the bad blood between he and the producer. And I think I saw another Winkler in the credits. I thought I saw Henry Winkler, but I don't think it's the same Henry Winkler. <laughs> um, but... The
1: Foz is out there. Irwin Winkler was listed as a producer.
0: Right. And maybe one of the executive producers was one of his family members. I had to look it up. But the point is, is that Sylvester Stallone, I thought was going to be a producer on this too, but I didn't see his name. He is. He is. Okay. So there you go. But that's the extent of his participation, that in the theme music that comes in later on that. Yeah. Why even bother using the theme music if Rocky's nowhere to be seen? But
1: Here's what I found funny is I know a little bit, very little, but a little bit about these photo rights whenever they put photos in movies and things. And there's a shot of the Apollo-Rocky fight where they cropped Rocky out of it. And I'm like, did Sylvester Stallone want too much for even a picture of him in this movie? I mean, obviously, you've got to pay Carl Weathers whatever Carl Weathers wants. But no, you just get to see a picture of Carl Weathers punching, but not who's on the other end of that punch. And you
2: talked about how it had been five years since the last one. I really do feel like I didn't remember these films well. I don't know if you guys went back and watched them. I wish I went back and watched that first one because If our audience, if you guys out there don't remember, yeah, Adonis Creed, he was not a rich kid. I always just, my memory was he grew up rich with Apollo as his dad and like had a mansion and it was a real shock when I saw him on the streets here. But yeah, a long time has passed. I had not retained a lot. I listened
0: to our podcast of Creed 2 to remind me of all the plot points. And the only time I had that issue during this movie was I forgot that was Little Duke until they named him like later on. So in the beginning of the movie, when he popped up, I forgot that was the same guy. That's it.
1: Yeah, I went back because I haven't rewatched a Creed film since Creed 2 came out five years ago. And I felt like I needed to remind myself specifically of Creed 2. I felt like I remembered Creed 1. pretty well. I liked that film. I watched it for the review. I watched it when it came out on video. I watched it before Creed 2, so I have like four or five viewings of that under my belt, but I'd only seen Creed 2 just for the review, and I remembered not loving it. Going back, I liked it better than my memory told me, so I did rewatch both of those coming in. I'm kind of glad I did, because I don't know that I would have remembered little Ricky Conley and All of that, I've been able to name-check these people much better coming into this and seeing all the ties to the original. Is it really
0: necessary to know who Ricky is and things like that? I disagree. It enriches the viewing
1: experience.
0: It could. I mean, I remembered his mom, and I remembered Bianca, and I remembered she was pregnant, and I remembered all that kind of stuff. But the minor stuff, of course, that would help accentuate everything. That's why I enjoyed parts of Creed two more because of the throwbacks to Rocky four, which as we discussed on that podcast, was that how many people in the audience are really fans of the franchise, which brings it back to, is anyone really going to miss Stallone except for people like us who love this franchise? Because the folks in the theater that I was with, I didn't get the impression they knew Rocky as well as we do, only because I I didn't see any reactions to any of the callbacks or things that were actually in this movie, any of the music cues, any of the mirroring that goes on, none of it, but they were really into the movie just not the callbacks. I saw it on a Wednesday advanced screening here on an ultra screen with amazing sound. And even though it was like a preview kind of screening, because it was like an advanced screening on Wednesday night, it was like three quarters full. It was amazing and well-received. The audience was really into it in the last fight. But yeah, it's just one of those things that most people were maybe 10 or 15 years younger than I was and only like two or three children. I don't really think that anyone's going to miss Stallone except for older Rocky fans like us.
2: And I'll agree with you on that, Brock, that, yeah, I think the crowd I saw this with was probably, yeah, skewed younger than us. Do they have that whole history of Rocky? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised, too. I saw this Thursday night, you know, 7 p.m., the first showing, and it was about a third full. Like, I was surprised that it was that packed.
1: Yeah, you can't judge by my audience. I went on a Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. (laughs) Yeah. I did see this in IMAX because... They were really touting, this is the first sports film in history to have scenes filmed with IMAX cameras. So I decided I'd go take the extra ticket money and see this in IMAX. Only the fight scenes are IMAX, but all of the fight scenes are IMAX format. And the other five people in the audience, (laughs) I couldn't really get a (laughs) beat on them as we all sat very far from each other.
0: Was it IMAX 3D or
1: IMAX? Just IMAX. There was no 3D showing that I saw, at least not in my area.
0: So I think I hear the bell dinging, Arnie. How about we get a plot summary and get into round one?
1: Adonis Creed, played by Michael B. Jordan, has been retired from boxing for three years. During that time, he's lived with his wife, Bianca, played by Tessa Thompson. She, too, has retired from being a music performer and is now a successful music producer. Together, they're raising their young daughter, Amara, who is in trouble for getting in fights at school. This quiet life is interrupted by the return of Creed's old friend, Damian Anderson, played by Jonathan Majors. Damian just got out of prison after 18 years, serving time for pulling a gun on two men who were beating up Adonis. Now free, Damian wants to return to boxing and wants Creed to help him. Creed is really managing current heavyweight champ Felix Chavez, preparing him for a fight against Victor Drago. Damien wants that championship fight, so he arranges for a fellow prison inmate to attack Drago, breaking the fighter's hand. Out of a feeling of obligation, Adonis suggests Felix fight Damien, similar to when Apollo Creed fought then-unknown Rocky Balboa. Felix agrees, but in the ring, Damien fights dirty and wins by KO. Adonis discovers it was Damien behind Drago's attack and confronts his old friend, but Damien punches Adonis in the face. The movie slows down for a beat as we see Adonis' mother, Mary Ann Creed, played by Felicia Rashad, die of a stroke. Then Adonis gets on TV and challenges Damien to a fight. Adonis has to train hard to get back in fighting shape, and when the two face off, it goes a full 12 rounds. But Adonis defeats Damien by KO and is once again the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. After the fight, Adonis and Damien reconcile for their past wrongs. Adonis apologizing for not reaching out to Damien while the latter man was in prison. And Creed is once more the champ, as credits roll. And as we start, the very first thing we see are golden boxing gloves, hanging from a rearview mirror, like a pendant, some piece of jewelry, where in 2002 and I'm kind of enjoying the historical accuracy. I don't know if you guys were geeking out about the old iMac on the desk or the old Xbox One games that were hanging around.
0: (laughs) I enjoy the Xbox, but I honestly did not geek out that much on 2002.
1: 2002
2: was all about the PS2. Forget the Xbox, please. (laughs) I was playing Halo back in 2002 on my Xbox. Nah, it was still about GTA, baby.
0: I didn't get what was going on in this scene for like three minutes. I didn't get who was who and what was going on. And then he sneaks out and didn't understand what was going on. And they went into one place and it turned out to be a boxing ring. But was it a Golden Gloves match? I couldn't tell if it was. I got really confused on how they went from one place to the next place to the next place.
1: All right. I have to say that I think the trailers of this, plus the story's kind of cliched telling. Yeah. Means that I came into this movie knowing everything. From the trailers, I knew there was going to be something that happened when Adonis was young, where his friend would take the rap and go to jail, and that Adonis would then feel guilty when this guy comes back. So when I'm seeing this, and they say 2002, I'm like, okay, we're starting with the flashback. We're going to find out what happened that sent Adonis's friend to prison. And so when they're going around, I'm confused where they're going. Are they going to a concert? Right. Then they go in. Are they going to an illegal poker game? Then they go further. Are they going to a prom? There was like a prom photographer
0: there. <laughs> I also thought it was like a drug den at one point. So like one room was a prom, one was a club, one was a drug den, one was a prom, and then all of a sudden it was a boxing
1: ring. I'm like, where are they going? And there was a hairdresser.
2: Yes. I'm right there with you, Arnie, because of that trailer. I'm like, okay, this is like our boys in the hood moment, like where one's going to go on one path, the other one's going to go down and crime, and jail, and all that, and yeah, so like, I'm expecting, are they gonna start doing drugs, like, is there gang activity going, it's a boxing match, like, that's where this was all leading to? And gentlemen, I know you guys give me a lot of guff
0: for this, but this is why I don't watch trailers, especially for movies that I know I'm going to review on now playing. I do not watch trailers. Trailers' job is to get people there.
1: What choice did I have? I have seen so many movies in theaters, and this trailer was before all of them.
0: That's true. That's fair. That's very fair. We saw a lot of trailers for Megan. But I got to tell you, like teaser trailers are okay. They usually don't give you much of anything but little teases. It's that full two minute 30 trailer is going to get you every single time, gentlemen.
1: But, you know, it would help if the story was a little bit more original. I mean, here's the thing that keeps going through my mind is we have on screen Killmonger and Kang, right? The villain from Black Panther (laughs) and the villain from Ant-Man. But we've got the plot from Black Panther where Killmonger was the cousin who wants the throne and... He was raised in the States and turned to a life of crime, whereas T'Challa was raised with all the money. I'm like, this is such a cliched story that the trailer didn't have to give it all away if it wasn't so obvious. I mean, you don't even have to go
2: to Marvel for that. We could just stick Rocky back in this. According to Wiki, like their idea for part three was like Clubber Lang's son. And like this is pretty much Clubber Lang's son. Like, his name just doesn't. End with laying like they went with that story here. Like, yeah, I was shocked about how much they hit those beats from Rocky Three.
0: Yeah, I'm agreeing with you guys too. It's it's very familiar, and I was predicting what was going to happen throughout the entire movie, and I was right about 90 percent of the time. A couple of details here and there, but yes, I knew exactly where this is going. And then it gets to the point where you know sports movies are all the same, or there's maybe four different versions of a sports movie, and do they do a good job telling the story? When you resign yourself to that, you can get far. However, answer me this question. They go into the Golden Gloves match. We find out his friend is going to fight, not Adonis is not going to fight. Adonis sees the money, the cash, and the gun in the bag, which sets it up for later. But we also see Adonis give a woman sitting ringside an envelope full of money. Yeah, Damien's betting on himself.
1: Yeah, he put it all on Damien for knockout in the first round.
0: Oh, I thought that was a payoff so Damien would win in the first round, like, you know, boxing is corrupt kind of thing.
1: No, no, he was betting on Damien. Damien was betting on himself, and that's why they had all the money to go celebrate at the convenience store with after.
0: Okay, so got it. That makes more sense. I thought it was a little dirty dealings that never came back in the movies. That's why I'm asking you guys. Okay, so thank you for clearing that up for me.
1: But yeah, this opening fight... I really thought there'd be more callbacks to this because this is really the only time we're going to see Damien fight for quite a while in the movie. And he does take this guy out in the first round. Later on, they're going to say he was the highest ranked amateur of all time for Los Angeles. And this is, I guess, how he got ranked was this fight. Mm hmm. You guys remember
0: the beginning of the original Rocky, too, how Rocky was fighting in the church against Spider Rico?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, like, in my mind, I thought that was going on. Of course, those were professional fights. This was amateur. uh, But I just figured that Golden Gloves would be more of a spotlight event, not in the back room of a hairdresser thing.
2: Yeah, this felt like an underground boxing match. I was surprised later on that they're like, oh, no, he was like a world amateur champ." I'm like, oh, that was like a real fight. That wasn't just people like setting something up in the basement of a church or something late at night. They
0: had a sign. They had a big sign, like a gigantic banner sign on the wall. But that was the only indication that I got that was a Golden Gloves match until they brought it up later on. Yeah.
1: yeah. So after the fight, the two youths are driving down and gives Damien a souvenir from his father, a ticket to the Foreman Ali fight. Does that timing work out? I thought that... No, yeah. It's Rumble in the Jungle, wasn't it?
0: 1974. It works out. Because Apollo was heavyweight champion of the world in 1975 when the original Rocky took place.
1: Okay. That makes perfect sense then. But hell of a gift to give...
0: Yeah. It's like Rocky giving Tommy his boxing glove necklace or whatever that was in Rocky Five. What was that pendant he gave?
1: Yeah. 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 And they stop at a convenience store and a guy named Leon comes out and Adonis just goes nuts on this guy... And we cut away. Were you left in suspense? Did you wonder, who's this Leon? What happened next?
2: Well, yeah, I'm wondering who Leon is, but I assume Damien pulled out that gun, and he went to jail, and Adonis went free, and that's why they're going to have some beef later.
0: Yeah, I thought that it would turn out that Damien killed the two kids who pulled, or Leon, something like that. I didn't realize she was just going to pull the gun out and get arrested. But yes, I didn't know who Leon was. I was very curious on who Leon was and what the trigger was. And we go three-fourths of the movie before we find that
1: out. And we smash cut to 15 years later, and Donnie is fighting pretty Ricky Conlin again from, like, the first film. They got that actor back. I guess the fact that Conlin beat Creed and then immediately had to go to prison means that we never saw Creed beat him, so... This is something somebody needed to see, I guess. Well, I kind of liked
0: that he had that quicksilver kind of thing from the X-Men movies where everything's in slow motion and he noticed like the rib popping out, I think, and he was able to totally like beat him up because he has like super amazing noticing stuff
2: yeah you mean the thing that I was waiting for at the end during the last fight, and like, I'm like, where is it? Like you set this up two hours ago? Why aren't she doing this motif again? Yeah, that's a good point. yes. <laughs> yes, it really stood out like the way he's looking at the dude's ribs and everything. but this fight kind of like the vibe of it carries throughout the rest of the movie for me, and the problem is we're told we're supposed to be worried. Creed's wife looks really worried and He's losing, but he seems real cocksure. But I'm just not, like, adrenalized by this. Like, this is his last, I guess, match before he retires. And it kind of feels like a retirement. Like, not a whole lot of energy for me. I don't know. Maybe an IMAX or those IMAX cameras. It looks amazing.
1: It was pretty good. I can't say amazing. But what I did note is that in interviews, Michael B. Jordan said that he was influenced by anime when he was trying to choreograph these fights. And when it goes into slow-mo and they do those punches and the skin ripples and things, I could see that anime influence coming through. There was a lot of slow-mo and a lot of rippling CGI flesh in all the fights.
0: Now, wait a second, though. You and I just watched the Rocky Four. And there's plenty of slow motion shots in that of Rocky and Drago's faces getting punched and their lips going buh, 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 with the sweat popping off their bodies. So, yes, but anime great, but Rocky Four and Rocky Three and all sorts of stuff.
1: I guess the skin just rippled a little more water like here. It was reminding <laughs> me of kaiju fights.
2: Yeah, when Creed is, like, almost comically, like, in my mind when I'm watching, I'm like, this is almost like a cartoon, so anime is right, like, the way he'll kind of, like, just stick his head and, like, really focus on those ribs that he's gonna punch in the last round, like, it is cartoony at times.
1: I have to say, though, I'm really paying attention to the directing and the camera work of this film because I am aware it's Michael B. Jordan's first time out, and overall, I don't think this film really has a huge flavor directorially, but there are some shots, and especially in The Ring, I feel like the camera work is really well done. It pans around, it does 360s. It really is a lively camera here that helped get me into the action somewhat.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people praising him for the direction here. I'll point it out when it happens later on, but I feel like this is a first-time director trying to prove, like, guys, I'm a director. Like, some of the stuff really stands out apart from the film where it's trying to call attention to itself and, like, take me seriously, guys. It's, it's just trying a little too hard at times. But overall, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't have problems with the direction of the film.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing as Jacob's says. When it really popped out at me like something was really great, I will definitely call it out. But otherwise, most of the scenes were adequately done. However, one of the first things I recalled in my notes here was that I didn't like the fight choreography at all. I found it very simplistic. And yes, it's Rocky movies. Nobody blocks. I get it. But <laughs> there was very few jabs. It was all huge hits, huge knockout stuff. Not a lot of ducks, not a lot of weaves, not a lot of movement. It was just a, two guys slugging at each other. And I'm no expert on this, but we've seen a lot of fight movies. We recently did Warrior, right? And how great would that fight choreography was. So But I just wish the fight choreography was a little more exciting for me.
1: I'll
2: say this to your point, Brock. Out of all these fights we'll talk about, only Jonathan Major stands out. And because he has a very weird stance, very non-conventional boxing method, probably, because he probably practiced most of that in prison. But like, his at least stood out because it's so unique. But all the rest kind of just blends together for me.
1: You're right. Did we even really need this scene with Connolly here? I feel like it's only here because it's going to be a long time before we get back in the ring and they want to feed the audience some punching because that we start in 2002, jump to 2017, and then after he is the undisputed heavyweight champion, they mentioned the first in two decades, the first to unify the title, we're going to again just jump cut to the title. Creed three, And now we're in Los Angeles. It says present day. So 2022, 2023. They'll mention he's been retired for three years. Yeah. Did we need to see the Conlon fight to see that he retired? Or could we just have jumped right here and been like, he was the champion and he's retired for three years?
2: I guess they want to show us that he, or maybe remind us because Again, maybe not with these Creed films, but with Rocky, they always had those recaps at the beginning, which I found very helpful. I wish they had one here. (laughs) But yeah, maybe they want us to know that like, look, guys, he was a really good fighter because you think he's going to lose and then he just like pulls it all together during that last round and and takes the guy out. Like if he just shows up retired, maybe that's a question in the audience's mind. And maybe that would have been a good thing. Maybe that makes him more vulnerable when he has to go up against this old friend.
1: And in the fight, he does when... He's in the ring and talking to Duke. He says, checkmate. I thought for sure that would come back in in the final.
2: Me too. I thought
1: they were going to say that
2: right before he punched out the guy at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think he said it in the 2002
0: fight. Yes. In the Golden Gloves. So that was the callback immediately. And I thought that was just going to be like right before he knocks out Damien, he was going to say checkmate.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: But he didn't. James Bond would have said it. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone would have said it yeah totally Cobra would have
1: said that (laughs) yeah it was in 2002 and 2017 but never comes back again I was waiting for it the whole film and then we get Creed home life and this movie it's a short movie an hour 53 with credits but it certainly feels like it takes its time getting certain places like Did you need to see Creed dressed up as Yoshi from Mario having tea with his daughter? Look, if you want us to be on Creed's side in 2023,
2: do you make him like a 1% of the 1%ers? Like this mansion he lives in, my (laughs) goodness. I wanted a tour of the place, like forget the movie. Yeah,
0: I love the house and I love the Yoshi tea party scene. I thought they set it up clunkily. But I love the payoff. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I guess you have to humanize the man because he does have a gigantic wall-sized picture of himself in his own house.
2: Yes. (laughs) So maybe you have to humanize him
0: with a tea party. You know, I do like that Amara is hard of hearing. I think that's a really great choice because there was concern about that in the previous movies regarding uh, whether or not the child would have the progressive hearing loss that Bianca has. And here we see that it's a part of their daily life. And I thought that was a really nice choice and gives another level of humanity to Creed. However, as we talked about on the previous podcasts, why that didn't come into play later in the movie, in the ring, when he's in the ring, he sees her signing to him, like giving him tips and things, that would have been a really nice touch again. But they just, they have all these little things they could do and they just don't do them. Not deal breakers, but it would have been nice to pull it all together.
1: I don't know that I need him to have The ability to communicate with anybody other than Duke while in the ring, you know, I don't know that little Amara was going to have a ton of advice other than hit the other guy.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, Bianca telling him on the side, obviously he can't sign back. He has giant gloves on his hands, but she can just (laughs) literally sign something to him about checkmate, for example. Maybe she could.
2: I don't know. He's dropping his left elbow when he throws (laughs) those
0: punches.
1: (laughs) Fine. I hear your point. Win, Adonis, win. That would be something to sign. <laughs> <laughs> but Jonathan Majors comes into the movie pretty quickly. I mean, it's not laboring on too long. Like I say, we're going to have to wait a while for a fight. But if you're into this brotherhood rivalry because Adonis says he and Damien were like brothers, they both were in that foster home, just to recap, we remembered that At the beginning of Creed, we saw Creed was in juvie and being picked up by his, I guess, stepmother or foster mother, his father's wife. (laughs) So during that time, he really got to know this Damien, which we saw in the flashback, and he's out. And he's Jonathan Majors, who, as you mentioned, he's really having a moment in addition to this film and Ant-Man and, of course, Loki. He also had that movie Devotion that came out late last year. So he's in just a lot of stuff out of nowhere in my mind.
0: Yeah, he has a presence. And what's really great about, especially if you just saw Ant-Man, like the three of us did, is a whole different character than Kang. Like, it's remarkable what he's showing us in the breadth of his talent. And he's a massive man, too. He's, like, gigantic. He's imposing. He has presence. He has attitude and you know he's full of crap at the beginning but you still want to listen to him and believe everything he says what the character has written he's really doing everything he can to elevate it
1: yeah
2: there's something about i don't know all the acting terms but it feels like he's got a lot of internal acting going on like he's created a backstory and motivations and all that and it just comes through the way he'll look you can tell his mind's working like he's got a scheme going on and there's just a lot of subtleties to his performance that i enjoy
1: I really have liked Michael B. Jordan in virtually everything I've seen him in. And now Jonathan Majors, I'm feeling similarly about. But Michael B. Jordan, I feel, is more of an effortless actor, whereas I feel Jonathan Majors is a little bit more theatrical, like he's a bigger presence.
2: Yeah, but it feels like all calculated, like he knows he's doing that. I don't know. That's how it plays off to me. I hear what both of you are saying. What
0: Jonathan Majors is not doing is indicating. He's actually living in that moment as much as he can for us. I hear also what you're saying about effortlessness of Michael B. Jordan. I agree with you completely on that. So I think the two of them against each other is a great contrast. And maybe Jonathan Majors is seeing more theatrical here because of how stoic Adonis is. It's possible.
1: It is. and. The scene of the two of them in the diner, though, is a really well-acted scene on both people's parts. While I don't think these two would actually be in the same weight class for boxing, because Jonathan Majors is so huge, these two are in the same weight class for acting. And so I think that scene worked out really well. But they're really teasing this backstory that, again, I thought was obvious from the trailer. This whole... You know, you owe me a debt. Here's where I thought it was going to go, where it didn't. I thought it was going to be that Damien took the rap for what Adonis did, that like Damien went to jail for beating up Leon and Adonis got out of it somehow, and that it was going to be something that Damien could hold over Adonis and expose that Adonis is really a criminal. It never goes that far with it though it never risks making adonis anything other than a good guy
2: i agree with you that i thought it was going to go maybe somewhere a little bit darker not that adonis killed someone but like yeah that he was more involved with whatever crime that damien ended up taking the rap for however it ends up being just like a back to the future 2 slash 3 situation where adonis you're yellow. So you ran away like you didn't have the courage to stick around and that's what he was upset about. Okay,
0: I think most people would have run away at those situations if you could, if you saw a window to jump. Yeah. However, in this scene with Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan, I instantaneously got what Damien's issue was that you stole my future. You stole my life. You lived my dream. And that's what I was getting off of him. And they flat out call it out in the movie. But I totally got it here. that That's what the bone with the pick with him was. Nothing about going to prison for him. It was, you son of a bitch, you took my life. And so that is how good an actor he was that it popped out right here without even saying it. I got that.
1: But yet he's here, hat in hand, asking for an in because... He wants a fight. He wants to be a fighter. So he's going to take a job sparring at this gym that Adonis owns with Duke. Yeah, just like so many fights in this
2: movie, there's no one to spar with Chavez. Like at this moment, only Damien could do it. Like everyone else is gone. Everyone else is scared of him or whatever. Like, okay, that's convenient. It's going to be weird when that keeps happening, though. How come Adonis doesn't
0: spar with him? Why not? Seriously, why doesn't Adonis get in the ring with his own guy? I don't understand that. He's only three years retired. He's in great shape for a guy who's been three years retired.
2: Yeah, it should be said, this is his gym. Like, he's got some stake in Chavez's success, right? Like, he's going to get some percentage of
1: that. Yes. I would think there's just no reason, if you were the world heavyweight champion, you went out on top, that you want to look foolish in a sparring match with the current champion when you're not in training. You want the best fighting against you. you want those who are in shape and training sparring with you, not the guy who used to be champ.
2: Well, they're bringing in a guy who was an amateur maybe champion like nineteen years ago. <laughs> like that's better
0: an old man in their lives. yes, yeah. yeah,
1: totally. And remember, in the first Creed film, they were saying that Adonis was just a bit too old to start fighting. And so here Duke keeps pointing out, that Damien is even older than Creed. So are you guys, where are you at with this? Are you liking the stuff with Damien or are you preferring the home life stuff? We've gotten quite a few scenes with Felicia Rashad back as the mother and Tessa Thompson as the wife and her in the recording studio. They're catching us up on where everybody is
2: look, Tessa Thompson, good actor here, enjoying the performance. I can't complain about performances people are giving, but I'm just like not into the film at this point. Not because it's lacking fights necessarily, but because the drama is not that engaging. It's, you know, hey, try to get your mom to move in with us. And, you know, she's going to have another stroke. Like they're setting all this stuff up that's going to happen later. So it doesn't feel like there's many surprises coming like I see where this is all headed and yeah there's no big reveals there's no adrenalized fights so I'm kind of just bored even though I recognize like everyone's giving a good performance
0: I'm right there with you Jacob exactly the same issue I have loving all the acting that's going on the scene at the diner had more energy than every other scene so far and I think that's the issue with the recording studio that's the issue with the tea party that's the scene coming up at the school. It all lacks energy. It's not popping. And for whatever reason, it's fine drama. The acting is great. However, it's just not singing to me. It's kind of like that beginning part of Rocky II, that little bit of a lull that you have to get through this stuff to get to the payoffs later. But as you said, everything's so obvious what they're setting up, every single thing, that it's going to take a lot for me to give a crap when it comes up later.
1: One thing they... Set up, but doesn't really come up much later, though. Is the school scene you mentioned, Brock, where they have this scene, it comes out of nowhere. Amara's in school drawing something, and this other girl just walks up, picks up the drawing, and tears it in half. And I'm completely team Amara when Amara socks this girl in the
2: face for it. My (laughs) wife was so mad, like, when she got in trouble. Because she's a teacher. She's like, no, I would not have gotten her in trouble. The girl who ripped it is the one at fault. Like, she deserved to be punched. I love
0: how the girl knew how to fight and just punched the other girl out instantaneously. I thought that was really funny. My entire audience and myself laughed out loud when that happened because it was a really great winning kind of moment that we all kind of wish we all did that. You know, take no prisoners, just lay her out. However, a six-year-old punching an eight-year-old in the face is a little extreme in a school.
2: Bully, she she already took a violent step. She initiated it.
0: Yes, yes. So blatant. She just walks over and, like, on display rips it, too. It wasn't like she was taunting
2: her. Mm-hmm. I do like that we find out that this is a school with all deaf students, and... We see, like, the ableist in all of us through Creed here, when he's like, well, you know, you don't expect this in this kind of school. Well, like, no, people, like, with disabilities, like, we're all the same. Like, we all have tempers. So I like that little moment there, like, when they called out, like, just because they have a, you know, something different about them doesn't make them, like, peaceful, perfect people. They're just like us. Did you notice that the subtitles when they were
0: signing were different colors depending on who was speaking? So Amaras were, like, a light pink tinge to it on the bottom. Yeah. And I believe Bianca's was a different shade of blue or black, and so was Adonis's. Later on in the movie, it seems it'll blend together for me, but definitely Amara's was a magenta.
2: Yeah, there was a pinkish hue to it, yeah.
0: And I thought that was really clever. If they kept it going the entire time with all the signing characters having a different color, I would have really liked that touch, because when they were doing it just for a couple of times, I'd never seen that before, and I thought that was really helpful so you know who's speaking if a lot of people are signing on the screen, even though people are talking still. You know what I mean? So it was really a nice little touch.
1: Yeah, I just wish this school stuff went somewhere. Because we're going to have the scene where Adonis's response is, I'm going to teach her to fight. And Bianca's like, no, what we need to do is understand why she wants to fight. I think I know why she wants to fight because the girl is bullying her yeah did we ever come to
2: that understanding i was waiting for that resolution to this subplot here but i think creed 4 is the daughter fighting like that's that's how it seems at the end of this
0: i mean also she wants to be like her dad her dad's a prize fighter her dad fights i mean why wouldn't you want to be like you know i think that's kind of neat that she wants to be like her dad But yes, I understand that, you know, solving problems without violence is probably healthier for everyone in the long run. I mean, look at Damien. He's so full of rage issues that, you know, that's how he fights, full of rage and anger.
1: Yeah, which we get to see in the spar session with Felix Chavez there, where he starts getting too rough and Duke just has it out. Duke is just there to yell at Creed, I think. (laughs) I think that's his whole role in the movie is to keep Creed in check, because Nobody else really does. Only Duke will talk truth to Creed. Do you see Creed's house? Who can keep him in check? I think Bianca keeps him in check
2: somewhat. Yeah, Bianca can, because that's her house too. And his mom too.
1: Yeah, when Damien comes over, Creed is like, this is the women's house. I just live in it. And I kind of understand that mindset.
0: The scene when he comes by the house and they have the drink and all that. I thought something was going to happen there. I thought he was going to incite something there. And so it just seemed like it was more set up. And so I guess they needed that time alone. But you, I guess the whole point of that scene was that Tessa Thompson gets interaction with Damien there and gets the wrong vibe off him. That's, I think, the only reason that whole thing is there. besides Because we already have the scene at the diner and the scene at the car before the diner of these two catching up again.
1: Each of these scenes is moving the needle a little bit further on what Damien wants Creed to do for him. And it's after the dinner, after catching up, when they break out the first Hennessy product placement of this film, of which there are many, (laughs) they break out a bottle of Hennessy, and that's when Damien's like, my clock's ticking, it's now or never for me. I was the best, but I never got a chance to prove that, really laying the guilt trip on thick. And trying to get it so that Creed will give Damian a chance at a fight. He really wants to fight Felix. And, I mean, we get to see here Creed's all about Felix versus Drago. We get another returning player. Drago Jr., unlike all of Rocky's opponents who were defeated once and went (laughs) off into obscurity, never to be seen again. Here, if you lose to Creed, you're still a good boxer and you can still fight. Is Drago Sr. hanging out with Rocky Balboa during this? I was so excited to hear Drago, but no Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, they're both up in Vancouver. (laughs) Filming Expendables, what, four or five? Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 17, something like that. But yeah, at this... I guess it's a record release party for someone on Bianca's label. And I don't
1: know who the singer is. I just put her in my notes as Tattooed Goddess. I just put her down as auto-tune because uh, <laughs> a lot of live auto-tuning going on there, she's saying.
2: Wow. Maybe that's the robot from Rocky IV. That's it got cut out of the film and got put there. That's the callback right there. But you do see Damien. He's scheming here. I thought this was going to go further, but he goes up to Bianca and's like, how does it feel to have? someone else singing your songs. Don't you wish you could be back in the game more or less? So like, I thought we're going to get a performance for her at the end. Maybe she was going to sing the intro song as Creed came to the ring and for that final match. But no, like it's just, I guess there to show that Damien's not a nice guy. He's always taking digs.
0: Well, actually it's him calling out to her subconsciously or as a dig that your husband took my life. How does you feel like someone else is taking your life?
1: Yeah. I don't think he was really, digging at her so much as revealing himself, you know, somebody else is singing your song and it's telling us about Damien. He feels that, in case you haven't gotten it yet, and I do feel it's been underlined in this movie, (laughs) but in case you haven't, it's saying, I feel like Creed is singing my song in the ring. Right. And I love that Creed, though, Michael B. Jordan is just a charismatic actor And he's now friends with everybody. Again, I couldn't picture Mr. T and Dolph Lundgren and Sylvester Stallone all hanging out for drinks after Rocky IV. But here, Creed is going up to Drago, giving him one of those bro hugs with the one hand. and. Talking to. Because he's Don King now, as Damien points out.
0: <laughs> yeah, but also there's respect there. Don't forget, Rocky was friendly with Apollo after they buried the hatcher, became good friends. He had Spider Rico at the restaurant, even in Rocky Balboa.
2: You think Clubber Lang ever came by?
0: I think Clubber <laughs> Lang and Drago had some bad blood. There were some issues there. But you get my point is that, you know, these guys all know each other. And if it's a good fight and a clean fight and one beats the other, there can be respect, especially if there are rematches given for the other person to get another shot. So I would think there's some sort of level of camaraderie. If you watch even like any players of baseball, football, basketball, after they're retired and they talk well about other players, you can tell the respect is there because of what the other player is able to do, even against them who and themselves are great players. That's what I got off of here. And I really loved Adonis was friendly with Drago. I thought that was really a cool touch. Maybe it's because of what Adonis can do for Drago, but I kind of like that it was more like fighter camaraderie.
1: When we saw Adonis talking to the guys, though, maybe it's because I was on the IMAX screen. I was really curious. Did you guys notice in the background Damien talking to the other kind of dangerous looking guy who's going to be the one who beats up Drago? Nope, didn't see
2: that and not even going to like remember the face of the guy who attacks Drago, which is going to be an issue in a little bit. I agree completely. I didn't see the guy's face that well either. I guess they showed a mugshot like in the next scene, but it's just like, okay, criminal, let's move on. Like I didn't pay attention to
1: it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I knew something was going to happen at the label party that's going to catapult Damien to have a shot. I did not expect it to be a baton to Drago's hand. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That was anticlimactic. I I just thought some kind of fight was going to break out and Drago took a punch at somebody and broke his hand. But I guess they did that already in another movie, I guess.
1: I thought this would be the time when Damien starts to show himself as a bad guy. I thought Damien would start some static and embarrass Adonis and Bianca at the label party or something. I didn't really expect that he'd have this guy do an attack, which nobody seems all that upset about. They're more upset that Drago can't fight than they're upset that at a label party, somebody pulled out a nightstick and started pummeling somebody else for no apparent reason. But the moment it happened, I'm like, oh, this was all arranged by Damien. Like little Damien of his namesake from the Omen series, (laughs) Damien is not to be trusted. Well, I mean, it's a kind
0: of a prison kind of hit, you know, with a shiv kind of thing. And it's also Tanya Harding's MO. So you never know.
2: (laughs) So here's the thing, because this is where the film really loses me. So Chavez is hungry for a fight. He needs that. He can't wait six months for Drago to heal. And there's no one else that could fight except Damien. Now, I have a very rudimentary understanding of the boxing industry, but I feel like a lot of that is dependent on like Vegas betting and just betting in general, like a lot of money's generated there. Is anyone betting on this match when it's two contenders from the same guy's gym? Like this feels like a rigged <laughs> match to go, here's my champion Chavez and here's my other rookie Damien to fight together. And yes, bet lots of money on Like I'm not putting money down on that. That feels like a fix.
1: Yeah, I don't understand it. I wish there was just a little bit more service paid to A, selling this fight. I know we're going to get the speech where Creed is saying this is like Apollo versus Rocky, but it's not really, you know? Because Apollo was such a showman. This isn't an exhibition match, right? Because Damien's the championship afterwards. Yeah, and Apollo made it almost like American Idol 20 years before there was American Idol, you know? It was like picking this unknown person and really picking them up. Whereas here, yes, they're both from the same gym. But once the fight gets scheduled, Damien has his own trainers, his own crew. I'm like, they're both coming out of Creed's gym, right? But it doesn't seem like Damien is anymore. Well, here's my second issue. This
2: movie should have done a lot better in setting up Damien as this wonderkin amateur boxer because this is warrior all over again like one of the top contenders drops out so let's throw in the school teacher what like how i feel like i could have a credible boxing and ufc career match based on these films i do i don't know what your drives my, my fight's <laughs> next week but i hear you i put it to
0: this is only in the rocky universe this is a fantasy boxing right no one blocks everything's a haymaker. The punches sound like bullets and you can get a title shot because the plot needs you to. That's what it happens, man. This is a Rocky movie.
2: Then I wish they would have spent more time setting up that tone of that first Rocky film. They're selling this as the amateur fighting the champion. I wish they would have set that up a lot more. Get me to maybe sympathize for Damien a lot more before the turn. Make him that Rocky, and then, uh-oh, he really is like a bad Clubber lane type, maybe.
1: Right. Yeah, I think you just put a head on a pin for me there, Jacob. I never am on Damien's side in this movie. I always see him as an ominous negative presence. Again, maybe I'm influenced by obvious trailers, but this whole time I'm waiting for that turn and I'm taking everything he says as like this double meaning, slightly mean, slightly jealous kind of thing. And it would have been better. Oh my God. Am I going to say this out loud? Rocky Five did it better with yeah. Tommy Gunn.
0: <laughs> it, it sure did. And also Rocky Three did it better because Clubber Lang was the number one contender and Mickey was dodging him. And so when the opening montage with Rocky, you know, being famous and all that, they also showed Clubber winning fights and training hard. And so it wasn't just like he came out of the blue. He was being dodged. If they could have done something like, I don't know if this is a real thing. But if there's, like, a prison fighting circuit, <laughs> maybe he was the best prison fighter, like, you know, in the yard. I mean, like, I mean I'm mean, i sure that does happen, Brock. <laughs> I know fights happen in prison. I'm talking, like, sanctioned fights in prisons. Kind of like the longest yard when they all played football. Maybe there's, like, a way they have, like, a, a boxing league, an actual boxing league to get their questions on. He's the, he's the heavyweight prison champion, so he gets a <laughs> shot at the title. California penal, you know, champion. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think, though, if we'd done the Tommy Gunn thing where we would have seen Creed in this guy's corner helping him through a number of matches to work up a reputation and work up a record, that would go over better. This, it feels very convenient. The script on this film just doesn't feel very tight to me.
2: No, this script is not good. Nope.
1: But we do get to this fight, and if you didn't know that damien was going to be a bad guy. He fights dirty, and he's just one ear bite away from real life.
2: Yeah, I had that note, like, oh, they're going full Mike Tyson with him. But to jump forward, I don't remember him throwing elbows against Creed later on. So this feels like it's just there to tell us, don't like this guy, in case you were sympathizing for him. Don't like him. He's the bad guy in this movie. He takes some cheap shots too, though. Also, he does, but this is the only time we see him do it. It's not like Creed has to learn to dodge his elbow.
0: Oh, no, 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 the elbow is the only time you see that, but he takes punches that are cheap shots, like after bells ring or, like, uh, to the sternum or kidneys.
2: Yeah, what is with the shots to the arm? Is It looks like he hits, like, underneath the arm or something, and... He does two shoulder punches... And an armpit punch. Is that illegal armpit punches?
0: No, guys, he's trying to dislocate his shoulder, right? So he can't throw his left.
2: I get that,
1: yes. Yeah. But they're not illegal punches, right? I don't think so. I have to go off what they said in the announcer. Yeah. Where the announcer said, that was an awkward punch. It almost looked intentional. So I think you're supposed to stick your punches... You know, to the body, no rabbit punches, no below the belt.
0: So he punches his shoulder to dislocate the arm, but we don't see that. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if he actually dislocated his arm and then won that way? Wouldn't that be kind of neat?
1: Yeah, I feel like the elbow that cuts his face, that's a sharp elbow, I have to say. I can't cut with my elbow, but... The elbow that cut his face and then the knee, he gets a knee in like he's doing MMA and the ref is blithely unaware. Not a very good ref. He does take two points away for the elbow to the face, but I don't know. I feel like it should have been even more than two points away for that move because it left Chavez bleeding.
2: I thought he was dead. I'm like, wow, they're doing the whole Drago versus Creed thing all over the way
1: he's just lying there bleeding out. Oh, they take him away in an ambulance and... Really, if you're not paying close attention to this movie, you could think he died. He does show up later, but they're not going to make a big deal of it. I saw his mom later. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be rooting for Creed during the final fight, but they're never going to mention his injuries or anything. And he's not at all pissed at Creed for yeah. setting this fight up.
0: <laughs> Jump ahead real quick. I have the same issue. Like, he's sitting there courtside treating him for Reed. Where was that scene?
2: Like, I'm so sorry, man. Don't worry about it. No hard feelings. Nothing. He's just there. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, wouldn't it have been interesting if, like, this was bringing down Creed's boxing empire, his gym? his clientele, his sponsors, by promoting this guy who ended up being super reckless. Maybe someone who's a little too reckless like his daughter was in that fight in the school. Like, tie these things together. Do some writing here. This very loose script that's just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is there.
0: They're just not making it sing. Now, of course, though, if he loses his empire because this guy is sabotaging it from the inside out, that's also a cliche. (laughs) Yeah,
2: but I feel like there are scenes that are not here because. We're going to be told later on that once Damien is champion, he's talking shit about Creed all over the place. Like, what's he saying? What are the repercussions of that? Like, we don't know. We'll just get one scene where he calls him on Sports Center.
1: Yeah, there's this one ad that might actually be a real Michael B. Jordan ad for Ralph Lauren for all I know. <laughs> but we see Creed looking up at a picture of himself advertising for Ralph Lauren. And yeah, if he was losing sponsorships because of this, something it would have at least given him some skin in the game. Because right now, what is Creed's issue? We're going to really have a moment where this film hits a speed bump for me. I enjoyed the fight. I actually did. I thought the fight was pretty well choreographed and pretty exciting. I liked the close-up shots of all the illegal moves. But then this movie's just going to hit the brakes when Felicia Rashad has to come in and say, like, Oh, I have this box. It was a thing earlier. Damien said to Creed, why haven't you replied to any of my letters? And Creed's like, I didn't get any of your letters. Well, here we find out that Creed's mom kept all the letters from him, but kept them in a box above the refrigerator just in case she ever needed to get them out again. And there's a picture with those letters. And
2: Creed's going to freak out when he sees that picture. And I'm going to go, I don't know why he's freaking out. I'm sure they'll tell me in the next scene. And my wife's turning me. She's like, who did he see in that picture? Why is it like we all missed it. They're never going to tell us who he saw. I had to go to Wikipedia to find out. He saw the guy that attacked Drago earlier in that picture.
0: I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, I bet you that's the guy who hit Drago's hand. That's probably what they're implying here. Maybe they'll tell me that later. No. And then, no, they didn't. That's the only thing that makes sense. So I guess that they're trusting the audience
1: to pick up on it. I picked up on it, but I also caught them talking in the background at the party. So Yeah, you had that big IMAX screen. I didn't have that. (laughs) The IMAX
0: thing. That's not fair. You had IMAX.
1: And, you know, it's kind of funny. Felicia Rashad, she's like, here are the letters. Oh, I'm going to have a stroke and die.
0: Well, so like, it wouldn't be a Rocky movie unless somebody dies to make you motivate you to fight, right? So you knew she was going to die when they dropped a stroke in earlier. However, the scene where she talks to her son at bedside was phenomenal. Felicia Rashad scene, we've seen scenes like this before, but it's really great how they played it. Michael B. Jordan and Felicia Rashad, how they played that death scene was just phenomenal. Loved it.
2: I mean, it's good. Like, it's some of the better writing. I liked how they spun it around. because She's had that stroke. She doesn't really know what's going on. So she's addressing Apollo and talking about Adonis to Adonis. Like, I get it. Like, all that works. But this is one of those scenes where Michael B. Jordan, I got to prove I'm a director. Like, I'm doing a death scene. Like, it's got to have impact. I don't know. It just, it feels like it was
1: trying a little bit too hard to me. I agree with you, Jacob. I didn't think either of those performances really excelled. Mm. I'm not saying either one was bad but neither one stood out to me. But it did feel like I'm a director and an actor, and here I am really going to go hard in both. And you say somebody has to die in a Rocky film. Nobody died in <laughs> Rocky 1 or 2. Nobody died in Creed 1 or 2.
0: I was being facetious. Mickey and Apollo both die back-to-back films. That's all I was saying. If you guys want to talk about him being an obvious director, although I kind of liked it, It kind of felt heavy handed before the fight with Felix and Damien. After Creed says something to to Damien before the fight, he walks around this wall and they're both staring at each other through the wall. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That was a good shot. I liked that.
0: I loved the composition of the shot. I just felt that the um, subtext was very heavy handed, but I loved the shot. So if you want to talk about a director saying, look at me, I'm a great director, that is both a great artistic but a heavy-handed shot at the same time.
1: Agreed on both counts. I liked it, though.
0: I liked it, too. I thought it was clever, and, you know, that's him showing off. But at this deathbed scene, I really liked Rashad and what she was doing. So I didn't have any problem with that at all, and I didn't see his directing choices or
2: shots or editing getting in the way. But, yeah, then we have, like, it felt like something almost out of Karate Kid, that beach scene where (laughs) (laughs) Adonis goes and confronts Davian, who's like, Again, just one, like, already has a posse, already has, like, a full beach party going on. Like, he's cashing those checks fast, but, yeah, he's going to go, like, confront him on the beach.
0: I mean, friends are fast when you have money, right? I mean, you'll always find some people who want to party with you if you have some money.
1: It's a necessary scene, a functional scene. And you know how in a lot of movies there's the scene where the bad guy, who's been pretty smart the whole time, Kills for no reason, just so that we know how bad he is, that he gets what he deserves later on. Yeah. I feel that's what's happening here when Damien punches Adonis. It's not really a necessary punch. It's not really like he's already won. Adonis knows everything. He doesn't really need to physically punch Adonis at that moment, except we're just needing to like him even less, or are we? I would dare argue the end of this movie is going to make it so that we're not supposed to hate him.
2: I'm kind of going through a Rocky Three thing again with this, where I'm like, eh, clever laying like he actually wanted it more like Rocky back down, let him have his moment. And maybe it's an issue of passion is because Creed in this film, he's been retired three years, maybe he's just trying to find who he is, even Bianca calls that out earlier, is at least Damien like knows what he wants, and he's taking steps to get there. And so I kind of admire that. Yeah, he's throwing some dirty punches, but like he's a man with a vision, at least, just like King. Couple of things. First of all,
0: even though he's retired three years, pretty sure Donis could have seen that punch coming. <laughs> Secondly, he has the photograph. He knows who this guy is. Go to the police. what the heck and number three this guy's on parole he just sucker punched you on the beach are you saying go to the police about damien no i'm saying go to the police with the photograph and say this jerk here who totally played me for a sucker actually orchestrated this entire thing he's the mastermind
1: okay okay
0: and on top of that if you don't want to go to the police about that it's kind of a shitty move but you know you could call his parole officer and say this guy just cold cocked me on the beach because he's not supposed to get into fights (laughs) but my main point is just go to the police with a photograph or just call him out on the air if damien is talking crap about adonis everywhere he's going on stephen k smith right why don't you just say this guy set this whole thing up he's behind the whole attack you can just do it back but instead, he challenges
2: it. I guess he can't say anything yet because one of the other subplots or themes of this film is like, you got to talk it out. You got to share those emotions and let it out. You can't just hold it in. Bianca's always telling Creed, you got to tell me what you're feeling. I don't know what you're feeling. And so he's going to like finally open up. And he couldn't do that on TV about being abused in this boy's home and everything. No,
0: I meant more about how Damien set the whole thing in motion. He was behind the attack of Drago so he can get the shot at the title. He got played. Not about them going to a boy's home and what happened with his backstory.
2: Yeah, but I think if you try to start exposing him, like that's all going to come out. And it seems Creed's worried about that for whatever reason. All right, that's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah, I find this next thing to be such a stretch because at this point, Damien has everything he wants. He wanted to be the champ. He's the champ. He wanted what Adonis has. He's getting that. He can defend his title. It's only because this is a movie that Creed is going to be like, we got to settle this in the ring. I mean, this is more of a my ring's outside kind of thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the ring is literally outside in this one. I do get why
0: Damien accepts his next fight to be Adonis. That makes sense to me. However, you would think he would want to have a couple of tile defenses just so he can get more money. But, I mean, I get the motivation on why he would want his next fight to be Adonis and just put this to bed.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. It would have been nice because Adonis is going to need some time to get back in fighting shape. Three years off is, it's quite a bit of time.
0: If only they could do some sort of, like, I don't know, training montage or something. Maybe that will help him. I don't know.
1: I had been waiting for a montage for so long in
2: this film.
1: <laughs> only one montage and you got to wait a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. They teased us. They did a montage tease where we got to see Jonathan Majors working out earlier and punching walls and looking at news clippings. But now we get the full-on montage of both fighters working out, very Rocky for mm-hmm. in that you see the different ways and that Michael B. Jordan is towing an airplane. Now, I don't care if the brakes are off or on that or not. That's a lot of towing.
2: <laughs> and here's the thing. This is the first time I think in this film as I'm watching it that I'm really having fun like it's kind of ridiculous that he's pulling a plane or the even bigger feat is hauling that giant mirror onto the runway just so he could pose in front of it for whatever reason but like it looks cool you got the music going you got the bad guy and the good guy like cutting back and forth training like that's the fun stuff in a Rocky-slash-Creed film, and, like, we're finally getting to that now that we're almost at the end here. Like, it's been such a slog up until this point.
0: There's a great scene of Jonathan Majors on two ropes pulling himself up. That is incredibly hard. I think we saw Michael B. Jordan doing something like that in a previous Creed movie, but to see it here and see his arms just, like, That is so incredibly difficult to do. It's unbelievably awesome to watch him actually do that.
1: Meanwhile, a song from the soundtrack is playing. It's not Score. It's not Survivor, but they have some song from the soundtrack. And I am ripped out of this movie like a Band-Aid is ripped off me when one of the lines in the song is, Like you was from Wakanda. Really? Really? Yes. <laughs> that is one of the lines oh in the God. movie or in the song and I'm like, "What? <laughs> you couldn't have picked any other song than one that's going to say you was from Wakanda?"
0: <laughs> wow. The training montage was a lot of fun I like how they brought Drago into the spar, but it was a little heavy-handed how Creed like picked himself up. It was like a turning point in the training, but again, a little heavy-handed on um, the way it was handled. We know it had to happen, but it was still a heavy hand.
1: Did you guys know during the end of the montage when he was running up that mountain, I'm like, he's on top of the Hollywood sign. I know this trail. I've seen it in so many movies. And I'm sorry, but the Hollywood sign to me has always been a little cheesy. It is no Philadelphia library. It's garbage up there. No, I agree. I laughed when it pulled back to be the
2: Hollywood sign. I'm like, that's no Philadelphia art museum at the top of the stairs. Yeah, it was
0: totally that Rocky moment. Uh, Hollywood sign kind of felt false to me, but they are in L.A. I mean, what else could he do? Like, at the top of Grauman's Chinese Theater? I mean, what are you going to do?
1: I found it funny that all these fights are in L.A. because Damien has an ankle monitor. <laughs> he can't leave the town. So, he... <laughs> Yeah, we do see that getting taken off before the fight with Chavez. But they
2: make a big deal. This is the Battle of Los Angeles. It's The fight is going to be in Dodger Stadium. And- I don't know. I wish this rivalry, this bad blood between them, the relationship. Like, we're going to get these reveals now at the end about the abuse and all that. But I just feel like this relationship had been built up bigger. So it feels as big as a battle for Los Angeles, one of the biggest cities in the world.
1: Yeah. Again, they're going to keep Adonis in the right so much. We're going to find out that that Leon was their foster father in a home and beat the crap out of them, and now they'd gotten out of that and grown up, and he just happened to run into him at this convenience store, and nobody's going to ever defend an abusive father figure, and so he deserved this beating, but he had a couple friends with him, and that's why Damien had to pull the gun, and yeah, the only thing I didn't expect is that Adonis ran off. You know, I would have thought, And it might have even been a bit more of a dig at that 1% of the 1%, like you mentioned, Jacob, if the Creed money got him out of it, whereas Damian had to go down. But Damian also had a gun, and Adonis just had some
0: fists. If Damian went in there swinging, you know, because he is a boxer, if he went in there and defended Adonis with just his fists, and then it came out later, this is the man who abused him. I think everyone, all the charges would have been dropped if any charges were there at all. Because of the situation, but the gun made everything different. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys catch Adonis say "Eye of the Tiger" at the end of the montage at the fight?
1: I didn't catch it. No.
0: Okay, because I wasn't sure if I heard it or maybe I wanted to. Because
2: I would have liked to hear the song in this. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Maybe I imagined it because it came out of the blue. And if it was said, it wasn't brought back. And I would have liked it to have. Let me put it this way: I'm really like that. The baggage of Rocky is nowhere on this movie. Nowhere. I like that. But so the eye of the tiger would have been that baggage coming back. However, it just seemed appropriate that since he found his strength again, that he found his eye of the tiger. So
1: what he says that is a callback is at one point he says one punch at a time, one step at a time, one round at a time, which was the mantra he and Rocky had from the first Creed film. So there is that callback. But I never heard eye of the tiger.
2: And I just want to expand on something you said Brock, is that I'm not missing Rocky Balboa Sylvester Stallone in this. Like this is working as a Rocky list Rocky film, if you want to call it that, as a Creed film. Finally we're getting a Creed film. My problem is also that it doesn't feel like the previous two Creed films felt or Rocky films. Like it's a double-edged sword. Like I don't miss him. I don't mind him being gone, but I wish this felt a little bit more adrenalizing and maybe a little bit more cheesy and like just all those things that a Rocky film are. Like I just I don't have that swelling of emotion that I go through with the better Rocky films.
0: I understand that, too. Is there something about Rocky 3 and Rocky 4? They're 90 minutes long. They're very slight. Things happen because they happen. Things fall into place very quickly. And we don't care because we're having so much fun. They set up just enough motivation for things to happen. And they're cheesy and they're fun. And the fights are lots of fun to watch. And this movie is light on fun.
1: It's really funny because we're about 90 minutes into the movie. We're getting into the final fight. And the announcer in the ring literally says, I had to write this down. The fun starts now. I (laughs) I noticed that. I'm like, couldn't have the fun started 90 minutes ago?
2: Again, we got to talk about this final fight, not just because it's the final fight. But I think like this is a big departure from a Rocky film is that we're going to go more subjective, more fan. Tastical, maybe like more internal. Like, yeah, we're gonna get the first couple of rounds, and it's gonna be that typical Creed Rocky thing, punching, going back and forth, and then we're just gonna cut. And maybe this, you know, costs a lot of money to fill Dodger Stadium up with extras. Like,
1: maybe this is a way to save some money. Like, we're gonna go to no. no. <laughs> this is a director who knows that a boxing film has been filmed so many times in the same way. How do you do it different? You take the audience away. You take the score away for the most part. You insert a ton of Foley work and make this, yeah, just this like internal fight instead of an external fight.
2: Yeah, it's another moment that says, look, guys, I'm a director. I want to commend Michael B. Jordan for like doing something different in a Rocky film. Yes. I think like The Mist was a little bit too much for me. Like when you cut, maybe they needed that to tell the audience, guys. Like, this isn't after the fight or anything. This is like just a weird thing in their heads. But like, I do like when it's just, yeah, it's dark and they're just punching. It reminded me, you know, it's not 100% the best, but like, there is a movie called Hero, Jet Li film called Hero, where it does this really well, where Jet Li's fighting Donnie Yen and it's a fight in their heads. Like, the actual fight lasts like two seconds because everything takes place in their heads up into that moment. And so it's a, Interesting way to really, like, get into this, what's internally going on with this fight. I wish, though, when we got into this internal thing, I don't know, not that they break out into dialogue, but I wish it was just more about the relationship and not just about this isolating moment where it's just about them and not everything else around them.
1: You know, I liked this a lot for being different and for actually working and being artistic, but I thought they took it too far in two ways. Yeah. First is they're in the ring but one wall of the ring are the bars of a prison cell, including the locks and things. Yeah,
0: that was going too far. <laughs> and the other side is the mattress that he got beat up against in the foster home. That's what I took it to be. Or the mattress he was punching, learning how to box. That's how I took it to be. I love the isolation. It's not about the audience. It's not about the belt. It's not about anything else except me against you. And that isolation of it, I thought, was brilliant. I'm right there with you that he is definitely showing us making a giant directorial choice. But at the same time, I really liked it. I didn't mind the bars. I didn't mind the mattress. I didn't mind the crowd going away. I did hear a thumping beat that reminded me of Eye of the Tiger during the first two rounds. And that I liked how that went away when the two of them were in that isolation. I also kind of liked how, you know, in Rocky movies, when they go through the sixth and seventh and eighth rounds, They just have them fighting and back and forth, and they have the rounds, numbers flying everywhere. This is how he did that. This is how he fast-forwarded to the last round of the fight, by making it really about these two guys. If the rest of the movie was this focused on their relationship, this could have landed even harder. But I do like the choices. I do like what he did here, and um, I like that he tried something new, too. So good for him.
1: What I thought was new, having just rewatched Rocky IV, Creed One, and Creed Two, is as we're entering round 12, neither fighter is, like, even hurt that badly. Usually, going into the last round in a movie, the person's like, I can't see out of either of my eyes, and my ribs are broken. Punch the one in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even... Drago is like, he is not a man, you know, by the end of this. And here at the end of round 12, we just have Duke going, you're out there as a boxer. I need you to fight. It's like, I couldn't believe how good a shape these guys were in after 11 rounds of pummeling each other.
2: We saw Damien like watching video of Creed. Like we were told he's very observant. I was waiting for those visual cues. Going back to that motif we saw in the very, First fight in South Africa, I guess the second fight in this film, the first one was with Damien at the amateur match. But when we go to South Africa and we see Creed looking at the different parts of the body, he knows that's what he's going to attack. Like, I thought we were going for that. I was waiting for that checkmate to be said right before he threw the last punch. But mm-hmm. no, he just
1: throws a punch and knocks him out. I think it was supposed to be a callback to that punch that... Damien used in that Golden Gloves match. It was a very similar right. He said at the, after the Golden Gloves match, that right can't be beat. That is a perfect right. And I think what we saw here was a throwing of that same perfect right, only this time it's taking Damien out. You got to emphasize that more then.
0: Agreed. You have to make it call out more because I didn't catch that. You're probably right, but I didn't catch that either.
1: And of course, Creed wins. Was there ever a doubt? I mean... No. <laughs> no,
0: but here's the only time you really get a callback to Rocky. The famous... Do-do-do, do-do, do-do, do-do-do, do plays like a very slow version of it, like a, a slow jams
2: version. Yeah, I thought I recognized it after he won, yeah. Yeah,
0: and I'm like, why use that? If the whole movie didn't have Rocky hanging over it, why do that? It seemed like an odd choice. Yes, a different version of it. Yes, very slow, but it's still... It seemed
1: like a missed note. It's like uh, you're saying this whole time we're not a Rocky movie, and then you bring in the Bill Conti score just <laughs> at the last second, and it's...
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, when Rocky wins those fights, it's a rousing rendition of it, usually. Here it's a, it's a slow jam version, but it's still the same music at the end of the fight, and you didn't need it here. You could have done something else. I don't know what... But that just really screamed out to me, why would you do that? Especially all this time, the whole movie, you barely even mentioned the man, if at all, and now how can I not remember Rocky?
1: You know why they did it? It's the score of this movie, I noticed a couple of times, was just really lackluster. It's not that it was a bad score, it was a functional score. You needed something special here, and I just think that they leaned on a classic instead of just whiffing it. <laughs>
0: So after the fight, there's a big party on Creed's side, and then Creed goes to speak to Damien. They seem to bury the
2: hatchet pretty easily. (laughs) My wife was so mad. She's like, why didn't they just do that two hours ago and just end this?
1: (laughs) They have to cry. You have to have a good man cry.
2: Well, I did explain to her. I'm like, because dudes, they got to punch it out first. And once we punch it out, then we're cool. Like, You got to get that aggression out sometimes.
1: Yeah, every once in a while, it's, it's what you got to do between guys. But I felt like this was telling us that Damien isn't that bad a guy, that we should actually have sympathy for him, even though he did get a inmate to beat up Drago and do everything. I mean, I did have sympathy for Damien, though.
2: Like, here is someone that stuck up for a friend and the consequences and whether that's creed's fault or not that he never contacted him again like i could see damien's point of view so i'm glad that in movie terms he's redeemed at the end because yeah i want that for
0: him he got his shot and then he was no longer the champ he's basically buster douglas if you know what i'm talking about with mike tyson
1: yeah i remember okay
0: And then the last shot is Amara sparring, quote unquote, with her father in the ring. And that was a kind of a cute moment. And I'd really like the last shot when they leave the ring. It's between the ropes of the boxing ring as they walk off.
1: They have a glory shot of (laughs) Creed here. A little up angle hero shot with the Dodger Stadium lights behind him. I thought that was like, it was both a good hero moment. But because I'm very aware of who directed this. I also feel is a little self-congratulatory. Well, you know who
0: did that a lot, Arnie, was Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely did that in his own movies. And this is exactly what Michael B. Jordan did for himself at the end. Exactly right.
1: And then, yeah, he walks off into the fade out. And, you know, he has said there will definitely be a Creed four, but I'm with Jacob. I'm like, are we really going to mix it up? Is it going to be Amara the boxer? Is that a good way to mix up the Rocky franchise? It could definitely be very cool. I think it would be
0: great also, and it seems to be on trend. A lot of superheroes now are the female versions of the superheroes, so it certainly is something that would fit into what's going on in movies. Uh Uh-oh, is Creed going woke? I'm not (laughs) using woke. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's wonderful. I know what you're—yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. But it certainly is a trendy thing right now, and she's only, what, six, eight years old, so— They're going to have to fast forward in time or just wait to this particular actress. Obviously, they're not going to wait.
1: I mean, as long as it took to get this Creed film out, how long till the next one? I don't
0: think they need to make another one. And maybe if this one, this one will probably make a lot of money. But I don't know if they really need to make a Creed 4, honestly. So we've said that how many times about Rocky films. I know, but it just it seems to me that this trilogy is he's done. It's done. His story is complete. He now has his family he now has a way to express himself that's differently than just fighting. It's a nice way to end it.
2: Until we get Adonis Creed, where the child is strange and the wife is dead and he's running a restaurant. Right.
0: <laughs> Called Bianca's. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend Creed 3? Jacob.
2: Yeah, this one's tough because I didn't hate it. Like, there's stuff I enjoyed here, but I didn't have a good time either. Like, I was kind of just waiting for this movie to start for two hours, more or less, if that makes sense. Like, okay, you're introducing characters, and there's a little bit of backstory, and I'm waiting for that emotion and that passion and that fire and great montages and all that stuff, like, that we get in these boxing films. Not just Rocky, but, like, we talked about it in Warrior. We got our montages and all that. And this one feels like a lot of drama, a lot of family life. Then they got to cram a boxing story in there, too. It just never takes off for me. It, flying high now, is that the lyric from Rocky Four? <laughs> like, gonna fly now. Gotta fly now. Gonna fly now? Yeah. Gonna fly now, as the lyric goes, this one, mm, there's a runway, but it never really takes off from there, like, <laughs> unfortunately. So it's because I don't have that passion for it. Like, yeah, there's good acting. There's good direction. There's good scenes, good shots. There's all that. But this script... Needs one more round. Pass it around that writer's room again and polish this thing up. It's a real slog of a story that kind of kills it for me. So it's a not recommend. Hmm.
1: Arnie. I had to give this one some thought and it came down as a split decision. Two judges versus one (laughs) as to whether or not this would. It's certainly not a KO of a film in either direction, but I found myself appreciating what the film was doing. While at the same time chiding it for a lack of originality, and its pacing was off. It's not that a rocky film has to be all about the fights, because I still think my favorite rocky film is the original rocky film where there were almost no fights. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. It was a really great drama film, and I've always felt, especially re-watching them now, the Creed films are trying to get back to the tone of that original Rocky not the -the over-the-top, cartoonish, rocky 3, 4, 5. And I appreciate them trying to do that. I wish the story was just a little bit more (laughs) interesting, especially given that you have these two great actors as the two leads in Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors. So, split decision. My end result was I had a fine time watching it. I wasn't bored like Jacob said he was. I wasn't enthralled, but it went the distance enough that I can give this one a weak recommend.
0: Yeah, at the end of the movie, this movie wraps up in a tight little bow. Everything's fine now. We're going to shake hands and go our separate ways. And the movie before that, all the movie before that, that's not what we watched. So the ending of it kind of rubbed me the wrong. That last scene really rubbed me the wrong way with the two guys. But beyond that, I mean, look, it's a really well-acted movie. The writing is not good, but the scenes that they do have are played really well. All three leads, Tessa Thompson, Michael B. Jordan, and Jonathan Majors, do really great work. I actually like what Felicia Rashad was doing. This is definitely part of that fantasy boxing movie genre. Things just don't happen this way in real life. Maybe people do things with all these machinations to one another. That's possible. Maybe someone gets a title shot out of the blue. Maybe it's possible. Even though there was no Sylvester Stallone Rocky in this, a lot of the plot beats are definitely out of a Rocky franchise movie. So, but for some reason, it kind of just felt like tired. So at one hand, I was really into the acting. On the other hand, I was kind of like upset with the movie for not really ever taking off. I found the fight choreography pretty stale, unimpressive. I did like a lot of the cool shots. I thought Michael B. Jordan did a fine job directing, and I look forward to him doing something different maybe a straight up drama because those scenes are the ones that really worked the best when he did the dramatic scenes. At the end of the day here, I'm grateful that it wasn't Clubber Lang's kid. I'm grateful that Sylvester Stallone stayed away. I'm grateful that we got two strong lead performances and a third primary role. Everyone got something to do. That's nice. You have all these extra characters. Are they here for a reason or are they only here because they're part of the franchise? Everyone got something to do. At the end of the day, I liked it well enough. I'm going to give it a weak recommend as well, but it's not anywhere near as good as the original Creed. And the last one had a little bit of that cheesiness that we're talking about.
2: Yeah, I remember that one being fun.
0: Yeah, you still had fun there. There was very little fun to have, but at that last fight, in that last round, my audience cheered. There's something about the end when he wins that does get you, but it's only one moment. One moment. I remember sitting on the edge of my hotel bed when I found Rocky Four on like TNT or something when I'm on a family vacation and I'm sitting there and I've seen this movie how many times? I'm sitting there like boxing myself and the go, 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 go. Like, and I've seen this movie a thousand, it's something about the way Rocky beats the crap out of these guys in the last round that gets your juices flowing now here, I guess that's the 2023 version. It's still not the same. It's
2: more sensitive. Yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> it's more sensitive. It's a sensitive beating. It's a weak recommend from me. I know I say this a lot when we talk about horror movie franchises, but I'm going to say it here too. I really hope they don't make another one. Just <laughs> end here. I'm grateful it's not two and a half, two hours 45, like a lot of movies are nowadays too. It was a very flight, very quick movie, even though they have pacing like minute wise. But man, if they do another one, where are they going to go? I mean, really, they can go with Amara, sure. But what are they really going to tell? What stories are they going to find? I hope it's something interesting and original. I really, really do.
1: Yeah, I mean, they already made a big deal that Adonis is too old. So we can't have him back in the ring again unless we're doing a George Foreman type thing.
2: I mean, that was the Rocky Balboe (laughs) storyline. They did. James Bond was too old in Skyfall. And then we had
0: Spectre and No Time to Die. And he came out of retirement and No Time to Die. So, (laughs) uh, you know what? Anakin was too old to train in the Force. (laughs) And look how that turned
2: out. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, I I stand corrected on the Anakin. (laughs) The next Creed film, he's just murdering children like Anakin.
1: (laughs) That is it for the Rocky retrospective returning. But this is just the start of us going to theaters virtually every damn week for the rest of the year. Next week, we have another weekend of release review, another series coming back, Scream, although it's only been a year since Scream 5. Yeah, we got that fast. Yeah, Scream 6 in New York. Stuart, Marjorie, and I will be here next Tuesday cutting into that new film. In between on Friday, if you're a $25 patron or a gold-level donor, we're back to the dystopias. We have two dystopia films left to do for the aughts. We have the film Children of Men. I know Stuart loves that film. I've not seen it.
0: Oh, it's great. Really great
1: movie. Yeah, great film. Okay, well, let's hope that didn't put my expectations too (laughs) high. Don't watch the trailer. (laughs) I know a little about it, but very little.
0: All right. It's totally worth the watch. It's totally worth the rewatch, which I will be doing before listening to your review, because I very much want to watch that movie. I just need an excuse to watch it. It's not one of those movies you just pop on and have in the background. It it commands attention. Not the most feel-good movie. Yeah,
1: it commands attention. So you can join us on that, and hopefully you'll join us this Friday. Details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate.
0: Again, I hope we don't have to come back to talk about it, but if there's a Creed 4 we'll get back in the ring then. Talk to you all soon.
2: I can't believe this is happening. I
1: can't. And I just want to say thanks to Apollo for fighting me, Apollo. I want to thank Mickey for training me.
2: Most of all, I want to thank God
1: greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife from home.
2: Yo, Adrian! I, I did it!
0: Thank you for listening to this episode in the now playing Rocky retrospective series. Why this fighter of limitability has gained such popularity is such a mystery. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we get in the ring and review another film. When I leave you, you will not only know how to fight, you'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring. Mickey loves you. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films such as Rambo, The Avengers films, The Karate Kid, Terminator, X-Men, and many more.
1: It makes a man a better man. We wish
2: to educate your country.
0: And while at nowplayingpodcast.com be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these films with other listeners. Don't listen to
2: it, Rocky. No, do listen to it, Rocky.
0: You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where we post announcements of new episodes and where the host posts movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com.
2: Very American. It's very smart. And remember, After this, you owe me a favor. What favor?
0: Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Mr.
2: Gasso says I should get to 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please. Huh? Please.
0: Give me some more. Give me some more. You can also show your love of Now Playing podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage.
2: What are you going to do with the
0: money? Well, the first thing I got to do is I got to pay the rent, you know. Now Playing's Rocky retrospective series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Don't worry, (laughs) I'll clean it up for you, bully. Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM or United Artists, and no infringement is intended. Seems like lately everybody wants to beat me up. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I pity the fool, and
2: I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got.
0: Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2023. All rights reserved. So, over. It's over. Meat. The golden boxing gloves you referenced reminded me of Han Solo's dice. That's just because who I am, but whatever. You did meet me.